1: Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. I want to thank Ken Quiet Hawk for that amazing intro. As always, he is uh, very special to me because he and his wife are Native storytellers and they are preserving a tradition that is ages and ages old. They have preserved cosmology and history and tradition in their stories and they continue to spread their wisdom through the stories that they tell. If you've never experienced native stories, you, you really ought to check them out on the internet. That would be Ken Quiethawk, and he is a native storyteller. He is the foremost native storyteller out there. You can't miss him when you Google him. So I am so excited today because I have, now I'm going to, I'm going to probably mispronounce her name, Marguerite rigal um, on the show, and she is the world's foremost authority on virgin births. She makes her debut on Nightlight here to discuss her most recently published book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, Mary and the Lineage of Virgin Births. It's published by Inner Traditions, Barron Company, and it has far-reaching implications for the evolutionary consciousness and divine feminine awakening that is growing in today's world. The culmination of an entire career of research, scholarship, and spiritual devotion, this book draws upon information from the infancy Gospel of James, a historically discarded Gospel of Mary, to correct the impression we have been given of a passive and bewildered girl who had no idea how or why she was pregnant. She invites listeners to join her in her book's journey of exploration into the family of powerful priestesses Mary was born into, how these women were trained and initiated in Parthenogenesis, the esoteric techniques used to conceive Jesus, and hints at the details surrounding the birth itself and the mind-altering reality that accompanied it, of which you can learn more about in the book itself. I highly recommend reading this book. It's really an education. Marguerite is the foremost authority on the history of virgin birth and has taught graduate and undergraduate courses in both the United States and the United Kingdom. She's the director of her own esoteric school, Seven Sisters Mystery School, dedicated to restoring knowledge about the sacred feminine to empowering people on their non traditional spiritual journeys. She's the author of The Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece and Virgin Mother Goddess of Antiquity, and of course her most recent book that we're going to be talking about, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, Mary and the Lineage of Virgin Births. This is a terrific book. It fills in a lot of the blanks that the Bible leaves open for our imaginations, and it gives you a whole nother way of looking at Mary and, and it makes her more of a real person so that you understand more of what she went through, how she got to where she was. And it gives you a, a juicier feeling as to the story. The Bible is a wonderful book, but, but it leaves so much out and pardon my bias, but it was, is written by mostly men. So, so you don't get a lot of what went into, um, the Virgin Mary, and, and this book really fills a lot of it in, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I know anyone who reads it will as well. So welcome to the show, Marguerite. I'm so glad you're here tonight.
2: Uh, thank you so much, Barbara. I'm really honored to be here.
1: Oh, wow. Well, well, I can't tell you how excited I am because, you know, much as I... Um, Biblical stuff is, is just something that I am constantly digging into, and those who listen to the show know I, I dig all over the place with it. And and I think what you've done with this book is you've made her a real person that people can relate to as opposed to, you know, like the Bible says, a young girl who didn't know what was going on. So um, it 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 made her so much of a richer person, that you want to learn more about her and and yeah you know Mm -hmm. that's that's what that's what that's what got to me it was like okay so she was she was a trained priestess and you know i you know i've heard stories about her being brought up in the temple and stuff like that before but never never with this much explanation as to why she was and and the fact that You know, she came for, her mother was a virgin birth, as was um, a couple of the other ladies. So so that, yeah, yeah, virgin birth was not just one thing that happened in the Bible. It's something that has been going on for a very long time, and I think that's one of the things that I was so impressed with. And, and, you know, I've heard of virgin births before, certainly, you know, with Egypt and in Greece and Rome, but... But I think people just think that somebody said to me just lately, it's all myth, and I said, myth is only the truth ready to be proven.
2: (laughs) Myth is only what's been cast away as fiction by powers for whom it is not convenient. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, and the fact of the matter is that I've, done this a tremendous amount of research in those first two books as you mentioned the cult of divine birth in ancient Greece and then Gir- virgin mother goddesses of antiquity just to even focus on ancient Greece but this was going on throughout the Mediterranean world the Levant coast uh you know the the ancient Hebrew tradition the ancient Sumerian tradition And then Egypt, and then if we go beyond that, you basically find these situations on every continent. And there have been other researchers who have looked into those kinds of things. Um, Here in North America, where the two of us are, um, we had the peacemaker from the Haudenosaunee tradition or the Iroquois uh, Five and Six Nation Confederacy and other stories right in india krishna and uh-huh. and so forth so um in the in the greek historical times it was understood that plato and pythagoras and alexander the great were born in this way or or let's say in non ordinary ways because there was a spectrum of methods that women used um that had to do with what we consider miraculous conception and so forth. And yes, what you were saying earlier that this in a way brings Mary to life because this gospel that I look at talks about something we never hear in the canonical Christian Bible, namely her childhood, namely her own conception by her mother, et cetera, and what was going on. And I really fleshed that out. So that is part of the, Intrigue of the book and the charm of the book it's it's looking at this gospel that was declared not canonical and yet somehow managed to make the make it out of the piles of burning manuscripts um, that were corralled you know by the gelasian decree and and so forth uh-huh. and so on in the in the first few hundred years. Um, after Jesus, when the church consolidated itself, so yes, it really opens the doors to a whole new view of Mother Mary that basically confirms what the Catholic Church has been saying about her her virginal conception, but it expands it far beyond the little glimpse that we get in uh, oh, yeah. you know the canonical I, gospels. I think I think that's what.
1: Um... What I found so fabulous, I mean, you know, the Bible basically says she was young, she was 12, she was 16, however old she actually was, and that, the, you know, an angel appeared and said she was going to be pregnant, and then whoop de doo she was. Well, I mean, that's no. hard for me to understand.
2: <laughs> that's but, right. But no, the, there was a whole bunch of preparation that went into that, and it wasn't just, the angel announcing it suddenly to her out of the blue, it was that she was part of a family who knew how to do this, going all the way back to the biblical Sarah, of uh, the wife of of uh, Abraham and the mother of Isaac, who, uh-huh. as we will recall from our biblical days, um, gave what conceived Isaac when she was in her supposed elder years without having had any relations with her husband Abraham. Mm-hmm. So this was going on. Now what we find out in this infancy gospel of James so called, which the gospel itself identifies the name of of it which is the birth of Mary, that's the real name of the gospel by the writer James, a certain James who may well have been one of the sons of Joseph by a previous marriage before he was taken as the guardian of Mary, the young Mary, um, we find out that Mary herself was divinely conceived by her mother Anne, who had no physical interaction with her partner Joachim for this pregnancy. She, Anne, was alone in her garden and Joachim was off on a vision quest when this pregnancy happened. And what I show is that these very brief descriptions detailing what happened, reveal, if you know how to look because of the research I've done, the entire technology that she used, the the actual ritual that Anne went through, first of all, in order to conceive divinely, and then the the ritual that Mary underwent when she was anywhere between 12 and 16 years old. And also that Mary was not alone. She did not act alone. She was part of a group of seven other women. There were eight women who all seemed to be engaged in this ritual together, all of them virgins. And the miraculous, strange thing is that one of them was her aunt, Elizabeth, who conceives John the Baptist um, through the same ritual, basically.
1: I think what what fascinated me was that they knew that they had a mission from a very
2: young age. That's right. In fact, it was an intergenerational mission.
0: So Mm
2: -hmm. Anne and Joachim and who knows who before them already were planning several generations down the line for this to happen. And they were hoping beyond hope. Anne was in her elder years when it happened. It wasn't happening for her prior her elder years. And finally, she and Joachim just had to make this happen. And so he engaged in a very prayerful vision quest out in the desert. She engaged in this ritual in her garden, uh, which indicates, you know, all the signs show us that she was part of this oracular tradition of women who knew how to do this sort of thing. And boom, finally, she conceives. And this is a plan. And then Mary was taken into the temple to be raised by these other virgins. And then, as I said earlier, Anne's sister is Elizabeth. The the Islamic tradition tells us that this Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist, as we will recall, who also conceived John in her elder Uh years without having had any relations with her husband, Zechariah, Anne and Elizabeth were sisters. That's what the Islamic tradition tells us. This this was not Mary's cousin. This was her aunt. So we're talking about an entire family affair. The entire holy family was involved in bringing in these two avatars, Jesus and John the Baptist, to send a major, massive wave through the planet of um, you know reconstitution of humanity
1: well this this process you know on on top of you know being a chaste person it had to do with a diet that was mostly fruits and vegetables and stuff like that natural stuff and yeah. and prayer and meditation and stuff you can't talk about but I think that, that what um, and of course that's the stuff you want to know about but, but mm-hmm. to me, um, the, the, the bodies we're in now are electromagnetic vehicles. And being, being energy, and, and, you know, we, we radiate an aura, we radiate all sorts of stuff. And when people do astral travel and stuff like that, you know, their astral body goes out. So that, so that there is a tremendous amount of power and energy within our bodies. That can be brought to bear in order to create a pregnancy. Now, nobody today is going to go through the process that they went through. It just isn't going to happen. But, but what happened? Did it, during this process, during the prayer, during the focus, during the energetic shift, what happened? Did she? Um, because most of the time, they brought forth females. Which, which, in in one way, you said in the book, they they were they were like sisters, so that it was a replication of the mother's DNA. Mm-hmm. But when you when you come to the point where they birthed men, how did you get that chromosome? I mean, where did that? I mean, of course, it was miraculous, but but energetically, how did that happen?
2: Well, right and. Conception and birthing of Mary was more the traditional way of this process where the woman is basically getting one of her eggs to divide and create um, what has felt like a sister or twin of herself, even though it's not, you know, none of our eggs is an identical replica of ourselves. So right. it's always going to be a different looking Daughter, But since it's only your DNA and none of the father's, you know, no no sperm is involved, the daughter is and is felt to be quite a bit much more like the mother. And so that was what Anne did with Mary. And there are, you know, signs of what she was involved in. She was probably using a sacred medicine that opened her consciousness in a very, very big way. Uh Um, she was working with the angelic realms through um, a very deep, open prayer state. That's about as much of the information as we're given with Anne. Um, She's working with sacred timing. That was another one. Uh, Sacred timing, perhaps during the day and perhaps during the year, there was a sacred timing. There might have been an astrological timing, where the portal was more open for this type of thing to be able to happen, because these women were working with the body, mind, spirit interface, as you were alluding before, in a in a much more intensive way than uh, women who are conceiving through the union with sperm. Uh they they are having to work doubly hard and they're also having to work on an incredible level with, with spiritual intelligences who are assisting this process. Again, it's come down to be translated to us as the angels. These are the divine messengers, the divine beings. When it comes to Mary's conception ritual, it seems that First of all, she's involved with a group. And the symbol that's given to describe what's going on is that they're weaving. They're weaving the temple veil. So what we understand is that this is a metaphor for some kind of weaving. What what are they weaving? Well, they're they're weaving spirit into body. You know, spirit into matter. They're weaving DNA. They're they're weaving um, electricity, you know, into and out of their body. They're they're weaving um, energetic presences into their body. That that kind of thing. Um, it also seems that uh, medicines may have been involved in Mary and and the other women. Uh, there are hints um, that Mary was using. She was eating the food of the angels. This this may be uh, like a specific type of um, substance that would alter her consciousness, open her consciousness, allow her to be very much in communication with the realms, which anybody who's done ayahuasca or oh, sacred mushrooms or anything like that would understand what this is because you've been there, you've seen it. Um, there's working with heat kundalini energy, there there are various um, descriptions of of what's going on with her that indicate that she's definitely using erotic energy. So this is not a chaste activity in the sense of something that's devoid of sexual feeling. It's the directing of kundalini energy. It's the directing of erotic energy in the body in a very specific way such that she can complete her own circuit and become essentially the male-female in order to bring this conception, boom, to happen, right? So these are the types of things that are hinted at that I'm able to tease out and pull out and really talk about in an intelligent way because I have sussed out all of these other rituals in ancient Greece and beyond, I know the signs, I know the symbols, I know the significators, and so forth. And I apply all of that research to this little gospel, and I'm able to flesh it out.
1: Well, I think the other thing that I was so fascinated with is... Um, <clears throat> now, I'm, I can't quote you chapter and verse of the Bible. I, I, my last husband was a biblical theologian. He probably could, but but <laughs> what what I remember... What I vaguely remember is that, you know, the Bible talks about her being engaged to Joseph, um, betrothed to him, and, and yet you say that there was no betrothal, that they were not engaged, that he was actually her guardian and not her
2: prospective husband. That's right. In fact, what I discover is that the partners of all of these women were not their conjugal husbands. So starting with Sarah, her partner, Abraham, was not her conjugal husband. He was her priestly companion, guardian, who had her back, who helped um, you know, support her energetically and physically and so forth. But he knew that he was guardianing um, a sacred priestess of divine birth who actually happened to be his also half-sister. And that, that oh, wow. is provable in the in the Bible. Um yeah. with Anne it's Yoahim. But again, I make the case that all of these women were not having sexual relations with their husbands, except perhaps in the case possibly of Sarah, it would have only been in ritual fashion only to engender a divine child. It was not a regular occurrence that was happening between them. Elizabeth, same thing. Zechariah, um, I described that he would not have been her formal husband, but her guardian. And we see it most dramatically in this infancy gospel of James, a.k.a. the birth of Mary, with Mary, where it is explicitly shown that Joseph never, the the fiancé or the spouse of Mary, he was assigned, by divine sign, to be her guardian, her caretaker. He was an older man, he was already a widow, he already had children. He was actually embarrassed by the situation because yeah, he didn't want he the felt job. <laughs> he did not want the job, and he felt that it was inappropriate for someone of his age to be guardianing. Uh, a a girl so young because while these are not sexual relations they are perceived to be a kind of a marriage and he just felt like they were completely out of whack age wise so um, it's clear in this gospel that they never married they never were intended to get married we see this in a number of different um, instances in this gospel so it's different from The way it gets written into the canonical gospels, where it, of course, has to present it, present us as a marriage. You know, it has to present it to us as a marriage. Um, but it wasn't really a marriage. They, if they had conjugal relations, it would have been after Mary gave birth to Jesus, but I'm not convinced that that ever happened because the so called brothers and sisters that the canonical Bible alludes to as being Jesus' brothers and sisters by Mary and Joseph probably were already Joseph's children, again by that previous marriage, which is clarified in this infancy gospel. So um, these are guardianships. These are... Males who take care of these divine birth priestesses, and they know that it's a big job well from her from her birth um i
1: That's I, love right. the fact, I I love the fact that from 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 the time she was born and took her first steps, her mother never let her feet touch the ground until she That's was right in the temple, which that that's quite a feat. I mean, I understand that, you know, you could have a carpet down and she could, you know, toddle around, but but her feet never touched the ground till she was taken into the temple and presented to the temple. And the temple uh, recognized that she was
2: special. That's right, because what's happening is, so as soon as she takes her first steps, which happened at six months old, which was a very early age for a child to start walking um, which was an indicator of her advanced status because by virtue of her own divine conception through Anne she is already an avatar this is the purpose of this technology it's to bring in a higher holy level being than is possible to come through male sex and female sexual relating so we're bringing in a god, a deity, a goddess, okay? And Mary is basically already coming to the planet as this type of goddess. She's already advanced. As soon as she starts walking, and says your feet will never touch the ground. This is a not unusual thing to do. For example, we have in Nepal, the Kumari, K-U-M-A-R-I, the Kumari, who is identified As a little girl, perhaps six years old, she's identified to be an incarnation of the goddess. And from that moment on, her feet never touch the ground, she's carried around, she sits in a window and gives a sacred gaze known as Darshan to those who wish to connect with the sacred goddess. So Mary is, in a sense, in that hmm, cadre of girls who are treated in special ways as emanations of the goddess, and so um, as soon as that happens, and she is you know identified as the holy being that Anne already knows she is, Mary is sequestered in Anne's bedroom, which she turns into a sanctuary. No unclean or unpure ideas or food or anything else comes into there. Nothing upsets Mary and her only visitors are these virgins who come from the temple to do certain things with her, which it's not spelled out, but I discern that they are teaching her in some way. They are also continuing to purify her, perhaps through prayers, perhaps through the application of energetic techniques and so forth. It may be that through the the purified food she's eating, um, it helps to elevate her body, mind, spirit. It may be that she's already starting to get some sacred medicines that will expand her consciousness. And then finally, when she's three years old, she is given over by her parents. Her mother knew that she was dedicating her to the temple from the very beginning. And that's when she gives Mary over to the temple where presumably these virgins take up again the education. Now, the moment you're talking about, which is when she's presented to the temple, she astounds everyone because she's three years old, yet she starts dancing. And presumably this is her sacred ritual dance. And they are astounded that that a, a girl of this age, this is like, you know, a little Dalai Lama, you know, well-advanced. And so I presume that the women, the priestesses, were teaching her these sacred dances in Anne's bedroom sanctuary. And then what we hear is that while she's in the temple, um, she's working with some kind of song or sacred sounding. There are a few places in this gospel that indicate that. The the sounds of the heavenly realms, the sounds of the heavenly messengers. So it may be that she's working with mantras. It may also be that she's working with some kind of
1: toning. Uh
2: And she's connecting in with the harmony of the spheres or these, you know, astral interdimensional sounds, right? Right. So there's sacred sound, there's sacred light. The Light is a big part of this conception as well. Light and heat. Um, a flash of light is something typical that was described as being part of these divine conceptions. And this can go all the way to the experimentation that scientists have done in getting eggs, be it animals or humans, to start... Uh, spontaneously dividing without oftentimes it's an electric shock all right uh-huh. so that's again that electricity it's a form of of supernal light we might say right so these women were working at incredibly deep dimensional levels with all of this and only really one such as Mary who was already divinely born walking on the planet could have accomplished what she did which was to bring a being of the level of Jesus onto the planet in human now form these, these virgins
1: these priestesses i mean it has to have been a, a, a cultist not the right word but uh, a group that that has come through time i mean you're talking right. hundreds of
2: hundreds of years thousands yet, yeah. of years thousands okay. of years of this practice yes mhm because if we just look at sarah we don't even know what what era she was in but it could have been 3000 BC um this goes back there's even a sign on, from 20000 BCE in one of the caves it's in one of the books of Maria Gimbutas uh perhaps language of the goddess where there's this image of a female who seems to be like doubling herself. And then there are these images of double goddesses coming out of the same torso. You know, these are not, I don't think these are Siamese twins. I think this is describing parthenogenesis, again, the woman replicating herself. So this this practice goes way back, and To some minds, it may hearken to the original method of human reproduction,
0: where it was,
2: uh, you know, a kind of a a, a different type of reproduction that that didn't involve sexual union.
1: I I know there are um, stories, not myths, but stories of, you know, Times when it was it was a case of survival when when a a species you know uh, the female of the species will 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 give birth without without a partner because these stories are legion
2: yeah even in the past even in the past since I wrote this material I started this research and published my doctoral dissertation in two thousand seven two thousand eight Before, during, and after that time, there, every once in a while, appears a story of a lizard, or a shark, or a snake, or something who, under captivity, gives birth. Uh Because they are able to suddenly, under necessities, you know, auspices, um, continue their species by by having a spontaneous pregnancy. That is viable that goes all the way to birth where there are no males available, that can happen
1: well i mean you you have myths you know um, osiris and and isis and 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 even back further, I mean the element of a virgin birth is is really not. That unusual if you're really looking over time, over over thousands of years, because there are stories of them all over the place, and yeah. you, you know it's it's see yeah. when that happens, so many people say, well, that's just an interesting myth. They tossed it in there for the heck of it, and the reality is, I mean, it's it, it, this process has to have been preserved for thousands and thousands of years, and my my Absolutely. big question is. Does it still
2: exist today? Well, yes, it does. And I talk about, um, in the introduction to my book, one of the, or perhaps chapter one, a woman who we are calling Lori, who on Christmas Eve, 1976, she was a very deeply spiritual woman. She was a breatharian. And again, there's that purified diet, yeah. Very high level, hearted, heart centered woman, spontaneously conceived through a flash of light. Now, she had not been preparing or planning this, but this was a grace that came upon her. She did conceive this child. It, she brought it to term. It lived three months and then it left. There's another woman, um, Divine Amma in India, and her she's got a Swami husband. This is not Amma Chi. This is not, uh, you know, the famous hugging saint, but a different Amma uh-huh. who says that she conceived her daughter in her husband's absence through her third eye. So there is, You see, there are different technologies by which women who are advanced spiritual adepts can do this. Um, uh-huh. There's another woman I know who got involved in a sacred marriage with the god Quetzalcoatl in Mexico and had what seems to be a spontaneous pregnancy through that. The child lived until he was three years old. And I know there are other stories that are underground, have not seen the light of day, Um There are women I know who have become deeply intrigued and interested in this, who wish to accomplish it. There are those men and women who begin weeping when they hear about this material because they have memories, they have past life memories about this. So I think this is going on. For all I know, there could be an unbroken lineage of women who have been able to do this um, on the positive level. And well, if, if if that's the case,
1: if if this produces an advanced entity, um, you know that the babies didn't live long. You know, does in make this one day and wonder? age,
2: yeah, in this day and age, because the vibrate the the veils are so thick, the density is so heavy that the children cannot really survive into their adulthood right now. But that could be changing. That makes sense. And then, of course, there's the co-opting of the practice and it's negative use. Oh, gosh. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, unfortunately, anything special, you know.
2: Yes, because we're in always... duality. You know you're going to yeah. have the good and the evil, all right? Yeah. So, you know, this would be um, along the lines of the Rosemary's Baby t- type situation. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, that's a little forever Wherever there's good, there's evil. And so one wonders, you know, who's been brought forth through the co-opted, inverted use of this practice? You know, well, these are the questions that start getting uncovered when we go down this road of the reality of divine birth, which has been veiled. Like, it's been the, the, the traditional authorities have needed it to claim the validity of their religion and then the control of the masses, but they have veiled the truth of it or any details having to do with it such that thinking people can't really embrace it, like you were saying earlier. You know, well, that wasn't interesting to me. It didn't really make sense. I mean... Um, what's the point of that and but the fact is that a young virgin did conceive an avatar but there's way way more to the story that's been hidden because if it wasn't hidden then women would you know reclaim the knowledge of how to do this but it was it was really veiled well
1: also the fact that that she was an avatar in and of
2: herself,
1: so that, that's right so that it you know she wasn't just a vehicle she was she was an avatar and and so she became or one would have thought she would have become um a person of great wisdom that was helping her son um as as he grew and as he manifested and as he you know in his journey as well so that I mean right. I mean the gospel of Mary is out there but it it seems to me that 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 in no way is she given a proper amount of respect
2: for no. who and what she is and that's going to be part of my what my second book on Mary is about that I'm writing right now and I had actually started writing that along with this material and realized it was too much for one book and that I needed to have the first book focus on Mary's infancy gospel and her divine conception of Jesus. That was enough of a m- m- eye-opener. But there are other documents about Mother Mary, and then there is information that has come through the ancient palm leaf manuscripts as transmitted by the late Swami Sri Kaleshwar of India, and then mm-hmm. his also past life recall of these people where it's tremendous and basically it's revealed that Mary was the highest holy being ever to have walked the planet. And that's what I'm going to be exposing in the next book. How, why, when, where, what that looked like.
1: Now, um, she also had some Essene training as well.
2: Yes, I mean, what I find in this gospel are hints that her mother Anne was an Essene or what I um, specifically uncovered was the Thetapute. The Thetapute was like a branch of the Essenes that Philo talks about
0: and Mm -hmm. various
2: things that Anne does like this home shrine and how she writes a song to the divine, you know, in thanks to Mary and the, the food, the diet, all of these things seem to be um, very much echoed in the way of life of the Cetapute, which were these sacred people who lived in community, kinds of ascetic communities. Um, so that's where what I find uh, evidence for. I know there are others who have talked more extensively about the Holy Family being part of the Essenes. And also then there's the channeler Claire Hart song, in her books um, Anna, Grandmother of Jesus. And then uh, Anna, Voice of the Magdalene, she channels uh, that material as well. And it was interesting after I came to all of this information myself, and then to be led um, through a synchronous path to Claire's books, and then really basically seeing validated a lot of what I had researched independently, that was quite a remarkable thing um, back, you know, because I've, I've been holding this material since, since 2003 and 2004 when I first started uncovering the information about divine birth, uh, while researching ancient Greece, of course, I was immediately going to Mary. And then I had really wanted to write already a chapter in my dissertation that came out in 2007 about Mother Mary, but the dissertation was already 600 pages. It was getting too long, so I had to put off all this material on Mother (laughs) Mary until this book. However, I've been teaching it over the years. You know, and I have a course on Mary, the Mother Mary Mystery Teachings, where I uh, share some of what became this book and some of what will become the second book.
1: Yeah, I found it. I found it. The reality is, you know, the Bible, you know, has it introduces characters and then they're gone. And, That's right. You know, and and it's sort of like this is such an important time frame you know if you're going to you know bring in his mother for heaven's sakes what happened to her where did she, i mean she 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 gives birth and then she's at the crucifixion there's not a well wait she tells him to to turn water into wine at a wedding but but that's, that's, right. that's basically it that's
2: it that's it and this is where some of her other biographies come in um who where again i think there's missing material about Mary that was circulating, uh-huh. that was also dispensed with. Um, some of these biographies that I'll be talking about in the next book seem to rely on additional sources that we no longer can trace them to. One of them is the Infancy Gospel of James, but there seem to be others. And I don't think that um, these biographies are just being made up by zealous or enthusiastic monks or what have you. I think they're really talking about these stories that were handed down about Mary. And it's really remarkable what starts getting revealed about her and her stature and her how she was the original woman who held the early church together. She was the linchpin of the whole thing. It wasn't even the Magdalene. Magdalene was her student. Uh Mother Mary was the mother superior of the whole entire enterprise. She's the one, she was the mentor of everyone. She sent them all out on their missions. She had them come back yearly at Easter time and, and share and troubleshoot and what have you. I mean, there's a lot out there in these in these old biographies about her that we find out. And then, as I said, the material that Sri Kaleshwar has revealed about her through you know, his astral knowledge is breathtaking.
1: Wow. I, I found it also fascinating that Joseph sort of disappears, too. And you kind of wonder, did she, after after the birth of Jesus... I mean, did she no longer need a protector? What happened to Joseph?
2: I know. He's not really mentioned because she's mentioned at being in a few places. um, His brothers and sisters are mentioned as being in a few places. Joseph is not mentioned again. And... um, he, yeah, the next Joseph that we hear about is Joseph of Arimathea, this other type of caretaker who supposedly took the Marys um, on a boat to France. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, Joseph doesn't figure very big in anything, even the Quran. whereas the Quran talks a bit about Mary more so than the canonical Gospels, and it also talks about Anne and Joachim, her consort. Uh-huh. So it's very interesting. You have to kind of piece this together through a number of different sources, what was actually going on here. Well,
1: I, I also loved how you, you cleared up or cleaned up the story of the actual birth which yeah um, that that was that was a surprise as well,
2: <laughs> yeah, that it happened in a cave, yeah, which is a traditional supposed birthing place for humans going back uh-huh. into the Paleolithic and earlier, yeah, that she gave birth to Jesus in a cave, um while they were en route through the desert.
1: And and you know he After went off census. like a, like a crazy man looking for a midwife. Um That's right. You know I, I I you know I don't mean to
2: speak ill of him but he was really not real good at what he was doing. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, he had a lot of trouble getting with the program. Yeah. He um he resisted it. He had to be sort of uh put in line. Not only, you know, first by Zechariah, the high priest who determined through the signs that it was Joseph who was the one to take care of her and just really, uh, pushed him to, you know, do his, do his divine duty. And then the angel had to come, you know, the divine messenger had to come in the middle of the night after he had chastised Mary when he came back. First, he went off on a long (laughs) project, a building project. And when he came back, Mary was pregnant. And he started abusing her, basically, verbally, saying, how could you do this, Uh, you know, and she... She said, you know, he's like, who's the, who's the father? She said, and she said, I don't know, <laughs> you know. And um, he abuses her to tears. Wow. And, yeah, and finally, um, you know, he's consulted in a dream saying, Joseph, really, don't worry about this. You really need to get serious here with this woman as your charge. She's a divine birth priestess, essentially. You've got to... Step up. Well, all, right. all divine birth
1: priestesses don't necessarily give birth. No. Some of
2: them clearly wanted to, but don't. Perhaps the five other women in the ritual or the six other women in the ritual. Um, with Elizabeth and Mary, they may have wanted to as well, but Mary and Elizabeth are the only ones who conceive. And there presumably are priestesses who are trained for this process whose destiny is not to give birth to the child. You know, we don't have access to those stories, really. We only have access to the stories of the ones who thought it wasn't going to happen, but then it did happen the Saras of the world, the Annes of the world, the Elizabeths of the world, the women who are in their elder years, and finally, 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 this training pays off. Well, is is this sort of where the concept of nuns came from? Yes. However, by the time we get to the nuns, they've been stripped of their knowledge of divine birth, their high holy powers, and whatever other abilities that they you know these divine birth priestesses had which clearly they were oracles they were channelers they were Mm -hmm. healers they had many magical powers they're stripped of all that they're stripped of divine birth and they're stripped of any erotic energy that would have had to go along with divine birth and any knowledge of that all that's kept is their virginity and their obedience but those are only two out of you know 10 necessary ingredients that would have been part of the divine birth priestesses. I was, I was fascinated.
1: I was fascinating, fascinated with how, um, the, the power was taken away from this group of ladies. Um, so subtly, I mean, at one point they had a protector who, you know, came, came not in contact with them. And then later on, they had a, a partner in the process, but necessarily not necessarily having physical contact. And then later on, they had a man or slash king um, taking the place of the spirit, and in other words, being the vehicle through which spirit impregnated the woman. And, and so slowly, ever so slowly as time evolved, men came in, and took over and then shut it down.
2: That's right. They hijacked and then they stripped it. That's right. What you're describing in terms of where the priest would become the vehicle for the divinity, that's a later stage of the divine birth practice where now it's a sacred marriage type of union where the woman is no longer doing parthenogenesis or conceiving, self-conceiving, but she's... Uh connecting with an astral being to have a conception and then eventually that astral being gets channeled through the body of the pharaoh or the king or the priest in and so there is an actual sexual union ritual done where there is sperm involved and so forth. So this is a later um, version of it a degeneration, you might say, although what, I, what I've what i come to realize is that the sacred marriage, when done the right way, the really high way, where both priest and priestess, or king and queen, are equals, they understand what's going on, they're channeling divine energies, that also can be used to engender an avatar, a divine being. So on the one hand, you have high parthenogenesis virgin birth, and on the other hand, you have high uh, sacred marriage union resulting in conception of the avatar. Okay, so, but really um, what happened was that the divine birth parthenogenetic virginal conception process was hijacked and it degenerated, and the codes were being lost. The women didn't know how to do it as the generations were starting to progress. The veils were becoming thicker. They weren't accessing the information or the abilities. The males were inserting themselves into the process more and more and more and taking control so that in ancient Egypt you have them basically... Taking the male children into the male lineage, because it's now the Pharaoh who's getting involved in these sex rituals and so forth, and with that, um, the women really lost power more and more and more it was It was really though in in many ways
1: preserved by the Jewish tradition because it's the matriarchal line that is followed in the Jewish tradition as opposed to a patriarchal mm-hmm. one.
2: Mhm. Yeah, we see, we see these remnants, these survivals in some of these ancient traditions, these or, you know, customs that poke through. They do. They will point to a history of matriarchy. But at that, you know, it it becomes such a mixed bag. Um eventually and even though there are these vestiges that are still poking through, it's really transformed into a patriarchal enterprise.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, again, back to to Mary's messages. I mean, she must have had a, a tremendous amount of incredible wisdom to share
2: Yes, well, she was a manifestation of the goddess Sophia, who is wisdom herself. Yes, Mm -hmm. Mary was an emanation of Sophia. And basically, she was an emanation of great mother goddess herself, Mother Divine.
1: Wow. You know, you kind of wonder, what was Jesus' life like as a young boy with this kind of mother who had all of this wisdom, right. and, and he, he himself had the wisdom too. And well, you know, so you know, mm-hmm. so that's many, where so Kaleshwar many... comes
2: in. Kaleshwar says that Mother Mary and Jesus were soulmates, and she was his greatest teacher, and that is such a moving idea they were they were sense. they were soulmates in the emotional sense they were not physical lovers they were soulmates and that um you know Jesus's main mantra was a prayer to his mother
1: right yeah no it it to me it it's the story, your book is so fascinating because it brings up so many different aspects of, of this practice throughout time. And then, mm-hmm. then it gives you a far richer idea as to, you know, you do think about the childhood of of Mother Mary and of Jesus. And, you know, every now and then, you know, it, it's sort of like, did they never laugh? Was their life just totally um, oh, right. so dedicated? You know, I mean... No, they must
2: have laughed. They, I'm sure they laughed. I'm sure they, they were dealing with the natural human situations that anyone does. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's this very interesting gospel called the Gospel of Thomas, I believe, which is rather strange, and not many people will touch it with a ten foot pole because it talks about. Jesus as being like a little Lord Fauntleroy who had to be brought in line. I mean, he was kind of wreaking havoc. He would, he had powers, but he was not mature, so he would be willful, even causing the death of of a a little friend of his. Yeah, but he brought him back. (laughs) Are you familiar with this gospel?
1: Um, I'm familiar with the story, I think, yeah.
2: Okay. But, you know, so Mary may have been dealing with something like this. Um, And, you know, kind of a little wild bucking bronco who was getting used to being on the earth plane, right? Uh It it could well be. It would not be inconsistent um, with the whole... Story, and it's like, well, okay, so what if Jesus did have you know a little bit of a troubled childhood as he was getting used to <laughs> being an avatar walking on the planet
1: well, you know it 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 would almost have to be he was in the human body, he was human, he was living in the human in the human surroundings and and even yeah. though he had wisdom beyond his years, he still had to have have some fun with with children his own age i we don't ever no. see any of that you know we we no. um see him you know talking in the temple um when he is you know older but but then then there are 33 years that you you don't hear anything of what he's done and and you know
2: that's i mean right. there are
1: books about it but you know the
2: lost years I of mean, jesus and and people say that that's when he went and traveled he went to india etc. You know, he went to these places where there were great teachers and power spots and oh, yeah. know, there Nicholas were others besides his mother Mary.
1: Yeah, Nicholas Rorick, mm. um, when he was in Tibet was at one of the uh temples there and they brought out um material that showed that Jesus had visited there. It went yeah. back that far.
2: Yeah. There's 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 that in Tibet, there's in India, um you know in so he was in that part of the world according mm-hmm. to the legends that are over there. And you know, what do they care? You know, they're not like Catholic, they're not like Christian, they're not trying to um claim ownership of Jesus because you know, they're not trying to claim ownership of the religion, they're just saying, Look, you know, <laughs> this great sage was here into this area. <laughs> he was here. he was communing with these other great sages. They were all having this kind of communion and sharing of energies and knowledge because they were on the same mission, which was to elevate humanity and help us get out of this bind of negative forces that has been upon the planet for quite some time
1: yeah i think I think in in India, they called him ISA, I believe.
2: Okay. Well, that's um, interesting.
1: There, there, um, I think the, the fascinating thing to me is that all of this material is now becoming more and more part of the, the, um, I, I almost want to say the common literature that people are reading. So, so it, it does make one wonder, are we coming into a time when these teachings, these powers, these abilities, these messages are are having a greater impact on society and, and the consciousness of, of women especially um, because of changes that are coming?
2: Yes, I absolutely think so. I think this is divinely timed. I think this book had to wait 10 years to come out for the now moment when we're dealing with all of these shenanigans that are going on on the planet couched as a health crisis. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's, it, 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 to me, it's the fact that this happened, that, that, you know, a woman was able to do this does say that women, women, you know, have power inside of them. Everyone has power inside of them. That that they, if they worked at manifesting, it could could make magic happen in their lives. Not just women, but, but women. Absolutely it, right. Women. Well, women have been today, more cut
2: down. Yeah. And,
1: and, and, and the and feminine
2: so has gone missing. And and part of the teachings that are coming through are the Holy Womb Chakra teachings that were very much related to Mother Mary. Mantras that are part of it that she likely used, according to Kaleshwar, and what's in the ancient palm leaf manuscripts. And I've been teaching that. That's been coming out um, over the past two decades by Sri Kaleshwar before his samadhi in 2012 when he, he left mm-hmm. the planet. There are other... He left that material for for teachers... Um, I was certified to teach it and I've been teaching mantras, you know, Mother Mary's mantra, her holy womb mantra, um, Jesus' mantra, etc. And the the story of of how Mother Mary used her womb not only to conceive Jesus but to resurrect him.
1: Uh And
2: these... Teachings are available. These powers are available to any woman who puts in the purification, you know, puts her womb through the purification process, the cleansing, and the empowerment through the use of the mantras, the use of the yantras. This is one system of it. And yes, there's a tremendous electrical force that that can come on board as a result of a woman doing this, and it, it can. Mm-hmm turn her into a miracle worker.
1: Well, I think what, what I've been seeing is is that women are coming while, while certainly the use of the mantras and, and, and all of the, the um, material you were talking about, it's the power of creation and maybe not necessarily right. bringing forth another child or avatar because I'm not sure what society would do to an avatar today, but but being able to creatively bring through material or or um philosophies that will apply right. to society and help people to move beyond:
2: um,
1: that's right, beyond and healing energy that yeah,
2: that's right. healing energy so that we can the next phase of the avatar process is that everyone is rebirthing themselves to become the avatar, the divine human. That's where we're going, because Jesus and Mary were only guideposts, models for what they wanted each person to be able to do. They weren't just here to be, you know, help a little bit and be worshipped. They were here to be, to imprint humanity so that we could do what they were doing and more. That's the whole point of it. That's what Jesus said,
1: all this and more will you do. He said that. And so he did (laughs) it's in red in the Bible um that's right so that so that so that you know when when you 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 look at that and it's like yeah right but but it's it's true we have those powers
2: inside of us we do uh-huh and And the remarkable thing is that I've been talking to people who were connected with Sri Kaleshwar's group and teachings and he taught a lot of people how to do certain miraculous things, like bring things back to life. You know, the Uh Atma Kandana Yoga. Um, There there are these various yogas that he taught people to do, which is what Jesus was doing on the cross. He was doing several yogas at the same time, um, you know, deep spiritual tools and technologies. And, you know, so... Uh, bringing dead things back to life is one thing. Shifting a timeline to go back before the trauma is another thing. Um, you know, Jesus was able to take his, most of his soul out of his body during the crucifixion and leave only a part of it in there and then go back in time and work work the whole situation that way. And um, his mother, Mary, was able to use her womb to bring him back into resurrection. And Kaleshwar says he lived on the planet in India, actually. Yep. Um, So, you know, like after the so-called crucifixion, bye bye And the thing is that he was working with these other uh, Hindu masters who were watching it on the astral plane and assisting at that time.
1: Um, so he I, was I would,
2: ensconced. Well, yeah, I, in room, I would right buy that India.
1: definitely. I would buy that definitely because when they, when they, when the, I, I think it's in the Bible, they tell about, you know, what they took to, to the tomb to, um, to wash him and prepare him. One of the things they took was aloe. Now, Allah was healing. Aloe, mm-hmm. ala wasn't one of the things you would use for cleaning a body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, so that there are hints there that that, you know, they he was only on the cross for six hours. That you know, and the um, the spear in the side drained his lungs so he didn't drown. So, it it you know all the hints are there.
2: But, yeah, that, I mean there's there's a lot and there's. I mean it's you know which which I'll write about in the next book I mean the the time that Mary had alone with his body that was the critical period uh-huh. Mhm Mhm
1: Yeah that I was the critical I
2: think, time window and, right there
1: And and you know I I think People look at the Bible and they think, you know, okay, so this is this is how the religion, this is this formed, and you know, good story, and and they created a corporate religion out of it all. But but the reality is,
0: the reality
1: is, there's more truth here than anybody knows, and that that these are these are talents and gifts and powers that everyone is capable of, and especially today with with you know people being given. A time out, so to speak, to spend time alone in their homes and a great time to start working on developing the portals that you have within you. The, the, you know, how they give you access. And, and it just, um, to me, I, I think that there is a, a large group of people that possibly are not even connected, but that are working independently that are at some point going to connect together and, It's going to be amazing what happens.
2: Yes. And we are manifesting that now as you've spoken it. That's what we need. That's what we want. We want to unify all of those spirit workers who are toiling away in seeming isolation at times and um, really propelling us into a new energy, the new earth and um, allowing that to be possible for as many people on the planet as as can, as can mm-hmm. be part of that. This is not for well, a select you know, few. You know, this is really for anyone, for anyone well, and, who wants to see things on a deeper dimensional level.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's funny because people talk about these are end times. Well, they are. Times are. Ending so that we have a new beginning. I mean, it's not That's that we're right. going to be. There's no end without
2: a beginning. There's no right. death
1: without a birth. And and so you know we are birthing a new concept and aspect of humanity,
2: um, and 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 labor is long and hard. <laughs> it is. It can, it's feeling pretty messy and scary right now, for a lot yeah. of people. But. But this is an initiation. We have to hold on. We have to stay grounded. We have to stay calm. We have to stay connected with one another, the lightworkers across the planet, and with the divine energies of the inner dimensions, as well as our, our fairy and she allies, who are right here with the planet on another, you know, a phase shift away. Right. the the fairies and the she and the the elemental beings who are here in in a different dimensional reality. So we need to join hands across all of these domains and dimensions now, stay steady and continue to anchor the love, the peace, the light, the patience,
1: well I think also it's a time when so many of us can can write things and put them out there to give people hope to give people direction to a certain degree. And certainly your book is you know is fabulous. I haven't read the others but this book was just so informative. It 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 kind of, you know, it it clicked a lot of buttons inside and said, "Yeah, and and from here you can go here and here and here so that it does open up a flow of energy that, that will make people think. And, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. I think that once you've put something out there that will make people think and stretch themselves, you know, your, your work is done. Um, you know,
2: don't stop working, yeah. but,
1: you know, as far as that, yes. that goes.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Um, Thank you so much for that appreciation, and it's really good to hear that feedback. Um, the book is very accessible. It's, it's easy to read. Uh, to a certain extent. And it very clearly and cleanly consolidates a lot of the material, the most important material from my previous books, the the most relevant. And then it shows that's the springboard into Mary. And Mm -hmm. it shows us how Mary is related to those other traditions in the ancient Mediterranean world and how what she was doing was on par with it, um, yet a cut above because of her pedigree and and her level. Yeah, the idea was for me to get it out there and to let it have its own life. And it will go where it's going. It will, it will be at the level where it needs to be in order for the work to be protected.
1: Well, the cool so thing is it, it's out
2: there, you know. And, it's out and there. It's out there. It's out there and it'll be continue, it will continue to be revealed at larger and larger um, levels of magnification, so to speak, as the planet is ready to handle it.
1: We also included the Infancy Gospel of James in the back
2: of the book, too. The exact entire translation by Ronald Hawke, which is a kind of a comprehensive translation translation that brings together various pieces of the gospel into one whole.
1: Yeah, I was fascinated with that. I, I thought that was really a cool thing to do. And yeah, it, I was grateful gospel,
2: that his publisher allowed that, yeah.
1: The Gospel of Mary is out there and accessible, though, isn't
2: it? Oh, you can get it online. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You can, you can just Google... Infancy Gospel of James, you know, English translation, and you'll find it. It's also sometimes written as the proto or proto of James. Um, but you you'll, you can easily find it online, or you can get the Ronald Hawk book. It's called The Infancy Gospel of James and Thomas, because he analyzes both of those Infancy Gospels in his um in, in that book, of course, differently than I do, he's going much more from a traditional academic perspective, but I really appreciated that and I relied on it for my analysis. He he had done all of that kind of heavy lifting work so that I could then go and look at the more mystical um, resonances of it.
1: Well, I think there's another site, too, called SacredSites.com that mm-hmm. um, you can get a lot of this material on. I think okay. One of the, one of the cool things that that you've done though is you've um, you've made, well you've made me curious. So now I'm going to have to do more research, and I think mm-hmm. that that's what your book does. It, it gives you enough enough material so that your 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 taste buds are are tempted, and and you you, you kind of want to know more about. The ancient traditions, the fact that this 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 not cult but this sisterhood has come through time um and I, I think that's what fascinates me the most i hadn't I had not connected all of the virgin births to the same no. source of a of a of a practice so to speak so, that's so right. it's been it's been all over the world with every culture yeah. out there and 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 you know you do begin to wonder are people still practicing that but instead of bringing forth avatars they're bringing forth material that people can read and assimilate themselves in other words you're birthing ideas and philosophies that would not have been accepted 20 years ago but now now people will take a look at them and say well maybe so sure it's, sure, it's I'm sure. Really? Yes. <laughs> it it is it's important to, you know, you can birth a lot of different things in a lot of different ways, not just children. So that, That's right. So that, I know
2: that firsthand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what that's
2: what my life has been dedicated
1: to doing. Well, it makes for easier pregnancies.
2: Um <laughs> To some degree. <laughs>
1: oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, no, I've had one child, and I was in labor seventy-two hours, and and oh. everything else I've everything else I've birthed was a lot easier.
2: <laughs> okay, my goodness, that's one long uh, birthing time. Gosh,
1: it was.
2: I'm not the one to
1: talk about how to about how you forget the pain. No, you don't. Oh, <laughs> you don't.
2: <laughs> You just do it anyway.
1: (laughs) Um, I I think also one of the things about Mary that that fascinated me was when Joseph went off looking for um, a midwife. The first person he ran into was a midwife. Yes. And, and And yet when he got back to the cave, they couldn't get in.
2: Well, she had already given birth and they were encountering the divine light that Uh was at the cave entrance. And when that dissipated, they were able to penetrate and and go in. But, yeah, and while Joseph is walking in the desert, presumably he's, he's going into an altered state of consciousness and there's a description, I don't know if you caught that, but of this, um, altered state experience that he has is very trippy where he starts seeing time as in motion but static yeah. at the same time. He starts seeing the dimensional shift. He starts seeing time as a, a, in, in an anomalous way and he starts seeing people moving and not moving at the same time uh, mm-hmm. birds moving and not moving, and it's, it's completely uncanny. And then in a flash, he's back into regular reality, but it's like his consciousness is being expanded while Jesus is, is being born, essentially.
1: And the other thing that, that was fascinating was there was another midwife, Salome? Salome? Yeah, Salome salome who who didn't believe it had been a virgin birth, she wanted Mary right. to prove she was still a virgin, and of course, if you've given birth you 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 can't prove you're still a virgin um, right and when she tried to examine her, um her hand caught fire that's right
2: um. Which is, it's it's a completely fascinating story that could seem fanciful and you could just write it off, but when you really dip into it, as I try to do, so Salome, so the first midwife is the one who's open to miracles, Mm -hmm. and Salome is not. She's like the doubting Thomas of the situation, and she's a bit cantankerous, and somehow she you know, becomes the self-appointed adjudicator of whether this is real or not real. And she, yes, she goes to explore. I don't know what she thinks she's looking for, but she goes to see if Mary is somehow still a virgin by exploring her vagina. Can you imagine? I mean, this is the, the most holy woman who ever walked the planet, and you've got this obnoxious woman trying to look at her vagina. It's the greatest travesty when you really think about it. But this is society. Society is like, no, let's peer into, let's violate women's boundaries. Let's peer into their inner sanctum and and do what we want because we have the right to do this because reality is on our side. These things don't exist. So, you know, so... Her hand catches fire. Why? Because Mary has been involved in high-level, light-heat kundalini magic. And that's the meaning of her hand catching fire. Mm-hmm. She's getting consumed by Mary's high-level altered state abilities. Like, she, this woman could lose her frickin' life. And gets swallowed yeah. into the portal of this, okay? And, you know, uh, she's just taught a little lesson. Like, you do not violate the holy sanctum of the priestess. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, then she starts crying on the ground. Look, I've been a healer my whole life. Have mercy on me. You know, I've always meant well. And... Jesus heals her right there. Yeah, she touches
1: him and she's healed.
2: Yeah, the infant already has that power, right? So we're talking about miraculous things that are that are no joke. They're they're they only seem fanciful to the western mind, but if this story were transposed into India, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah." You know, <laughs> because I mean, and I'm I'm not even necessarily talking about the postmodern Indians who are already dissociated from their own Uh, heritage, I'm talking about the sages, the ones who are still connected. This is commonplace. It's called siddic abilities, the abilities to do seemingly counter-biological miraculous things. These masters, male and female, have been doing these things for centuries, thousands of years probably. There's lore, there's documentation, there's ongoing... Um, verification through the histories of these men and women who've been born, many of whom are in the photographs that, uh, you know, if you go to a spiritual person's house and they have like all these photos of these masters and it's like, who's that, right? Well, you know, that person regenerated his whole entire arm and this person pulled out his entrails and put them back in and, you know, right. So, That's one of the things I started learning when I connected with Kaleshwar's lineage of of even, you know, the Westerners who are are very heavily involved in what he's doing and what he was doing. Uh, These are miraculous abilities that are open to any human being who wishes to do the study.
1: One thing that, that has always, you know, well... For a long time, really, really confused me terribly is that the, the Magi came and they brought f- gold, frankincense, and myrrh to a humble family. The gifts didn't seem to be appropriate.
2: Well, here's the thing. These were not humble people. These were high-level okay. spiritual adepts. These were the cream of the crop, kings and queens on the spiritual level so these magi were not throwing pearls before swine okay these magi Uh knew who these people were they were magicians they were diviners they had gotten their information on the inner planes from uh you know divine messengers and whatnot and they were out to look for these people they're like holy gosh they've done it they've birthed an avatar we've got to find these people and the gold frankincense and myrrh uh, i talk about you know what this is all about i think they were first of all gifts for mary for her ministry because gold was a very high vibrational metal that offers protection on many different levels it offers elevation and it um it can be used as a currency um but it, it, has a, it has a very high vibration on the spiritual plane. And it's, that energy penetrates into the, the third dimension so that physical gold actually embodies that, those qualities um, uh-huh. that it contains on its, on its astral dimension. And then the frankincense and the myrrh were um, substances to be used in ritual. Uh, they they can, um, it also may have been a, a reference to substances that open the consciousness when burned and breathed and, and inhaled also. Okay. Um, yeah, because Mary was one of the few women to use a sensor. The burning little round piece that the priests used to use in the Catholic Church back in the day, they may still do it, but it's on a chain. And it's like a a ball, it's a censer, and it it puts out the incense, which originally would have been hallucinogenic incense, right? It's what opens the priest or priestess, potentially also the congregation, to the other realm. So Mary was always using the censer in her biographies, and that puts her on par with the great priests of the day. And... And frankincense and myrrh were also substances to be used for embalming, um, or at the death, you know, at the time of death, for anointing, and and this and that. So these were symbols of spiritual royalty, and they had practical uses as well.
1: Yeah, it's um, when when you stop to think about how the priesthood treated Mary. Um for one thing they put her on the steps of the um temple when when she was presented to them which is yes. something that they they never would have done for a normal child of any sort
2: No so, they put her they brought her into the inner sanctum of the temple is what that means
1: Okay so so she she was recognized they, right from the very beginning mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. She was recognized the, from the very beginning
1: by the males. And That's and right. I think that's what that's what is so phenomenal that that even even the rabbis recognized um who she was or or what she was. And That's and right. So so there had to be some sort right. of was there any prophecy or anything that, that related to her bringing forth an avatar at that particular point in
2: time? There, the priests, um, at her first birthday party, and then when they take her into the temple at three, they give her these tremendous blessings, prayers, that are like prophecies. Um your name will be known throughout the entire world forever, you know, kind of thing. And I talk about uh, what it is that they say, you know, in, in the book. Uh, So they, they kind of are giving prophecy right then from the time she's a year, a year old. And that party that, that her family has with, with the sacred officials.
1: Now, um, her name has great meaning, yes, was she named before
2: she was born, or was that did that come after she was born? Well, that's a really good question. Um, we hear in the infancy gospel that Anne or Hannah, as she would be would have been called in the Hebrew tradition, names her uh mariam, Miriam or Uh Mary, in its anglicized version. We don't, we're not told that she had planned this, that, you know, she had looked in the book to decide, okay, that sounds like a nice name, you know, no. Uh, (laughs) We're not told, but it's sort of implied that she already knew this was some kind of sacred name, which is why she's giving it to her daughter. And I go into a whole discussion about this name, Mary, Mary, um, which goes all the way back to the Egyptian Mary, which was a word that meant beloved of or loved, lover, divine love. It's a word that has to do with divine level of love. And it was connected with Isis, it was often used as like an, um, in connection with her name, and sometimes it was given to uh, kings and, and officials and things like that, so they would be called Mary Joe Smith or whatever, you know. Um, uh, it was like an honorific title that would connect yes, them with what... love and with Isis, Okay. Yeah. That's what
1: I was, I was curious. Was it a title or was it really her name?
2: It, what I discuss in the book is that it's a title. That that name that came down from Mary into Miriam, Mariam, Maria, Mary was actually originally a priestess title that became a first name, but in Still in those days, it retained its priestess energy, its priestess connotation. Whoops! Are you still there? Can you hear me?
1: I'm I'm here. Yeah, my my Alexa has decided to talk. <laughs> oh, okay. Well,
2: maybe she has something interesting to say. Um, Probably not. <laughs> and well, so, so the interesting thing is that the way we know it's a title is that. In one of Mary's other biographies, we find out that Mary's mother, Anne, has another child after Mary, after she gives Mary away to the temple. This child is presumably um, conceived through the normal, regular means, mm-hmm. probably with her partner, Joachim. And her name is Paragita. However, Anne also gives her the name Mary, which is odd. Ah. No parent yeah. ever named two children the same name. I mean, that is like unheard of in the entire history of humanity, you know. Yes. So what is going on here? It's that it's a title, giving her the same title as Mary. So she's... Um, Saying that her daughter is entering into the same priestesshood as Mary and as the Magdalene and as all these other Marys of the Bible. Uh, Actually, all these other Miriams. a,
1: A trivia point George Foreman named all of his sons George. Okay, well, whatever. (laughs) You know,
2: but But that's boys, so that's that's out of ego, not, you know, not (laughs) out of um, not out of holiness. so
1: so so my question is, then, after a priestess has birthed um, a magical child, is she then permitted to have other children in the regular way or does? Yes, it
2: seems so. It seems so. That's what we see with Anne. And there's a hint that it might be the case with Mary, but I tend to lean, my intuition tells me that those were not Mary's biological children, the ones in the New Testament that are called Jesus' brothers and sisters. I think they were Joseph's by the previous marriage.
1: That would seem so, because, I mean,
2: Mary was She didn't need to have any children.
1: No. It would
2: have diminished then, her. She she didn't she need wasn't, to have she wasn't children. He,
1: she wasn't here to birth other kids. She was here to birth no.
2: one. She was here to birth one, and she was here to teach that one. Now, interestingly, interestingly, what we do hear in her biographies is that she was a good stepmother to Joseph's previous children, even though she was only, you know, in her teens. I
1: I was wondering about that. I mean, it it seems like she was the age of his children.
2: Or younger. But she was, according to these biographies, she was a good stepmother. She was very honored. And so that's an interesting archetype for step-parents, which, you know, it's usually always the wicked stepmother. You know, there's always something that comes in with that energy. Uh, often in step-family yeah. situations. Um, so there was a lot to Mary. And we are only really <clears throat> just starting to see this the way we're only starting to see Mary Magdalene over the past 30 years, right? Oh, yeah. With all of the books and revelations and channelings and scholarship and that have come out about her well when when after
1: after the crucifixion both marys were taken by joseph of arimathea to france and and there are tons of churches there that are dedicated to one or both of the two marys
2: so yeah. they had
1: a they had because a real they remember. Yeah. And, yeah and their teaching <clears throat> their teachings you know Generated, you know, well, cathars for one. So, yeah. so it's it's imp- their teachings are so important. Now, are there any documents really that that have been preserved that that's... see? It doesn't feel like anybody kept a history of what she said and what she did.
2: It's you know, it's all Mary? Jesus, but yeah. No, there are these biographies, which is what I'm going to be writing about in my next book. Now, they would be considered apocrypha, you know, not official by the Catholic Church, um, most likely, because of when they were written or, you know. But, I mean, they are tremendous treasure troves of information, and it's uh, it's a huge revelation that comes out of these things. And again, it you, doesn't. You, it seems like more than just more than just somebody sitting around making up a novella about Mother Mary. That's how they strike. They strike me as much more authentic than that.
1: Well, you also, I, I think, in your book, you you give her sustenance. You give her. Um, I want to say you make her meteor, so that so that she is. More of a real person, she, she takes on a more, a larger than life um, part of of the Bible that that many people don't see or, or pay attention to. I mean, the only the only yeah. place I can remember aside from the cru- the birth and the crucifixion is the wedding at Cana, where she asked Jesus to turn turn the water into wine.
2: And it seems well, she to was me deliberately that- <clears throat> disappeared. She was deliberately disappeared from the Bible. They did not want to give too much information about her. She was deliberately kept out of it. But she was his main teacher, so That's right. A lot of his wisdom They they only give as much information they only give as much information as they need to get the point across and then be able to control people. That's what What the corporate church does that's what these councils where these big men probably overweight uh, (laughs) you know not having any connectivity with their own sensuality in any kind of healthy way made these decisions these big men in their big voluminous red cardinal outfits We're making these decisions at these big conferences and these big councils. Well,
1: when Constantine said he wanted a Bible and Eusebius, you know, went to work on it, um, one of the main people pushing for the Bible and and such was Helena. And you would have thought that she would have had some influence on, on putting this stuff together, but but women are really not treated well in the Bible at all.
0: <sighs> yeah. You know, I
2: mean, and most likely that whole thing has to be analyzed and deconstructed. What was her role really? You know, probably if you researched it, you would find out, you know, like, you would uncover something, right? Right. That yeah. hasn't been typically oh, sure. known. This is usually what happens.
0: Oh, yeah. You're talking
2: about, it's Constantine's, was it his sister or his wife? It was his mother. Oh, or his mother, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, who knows what, when you really start analyzing these histories and get, you, you get this, you do this sleuthing, you can find out a lot about it. That has been written incorrectly in what we typically learn. So it would be, it would be very interesting to do that kind of an, because I remember starting to look at her and I thought I discovered some kind of connection to divine birth. I can't remember what it was. It would be in my notes that I would have to, that would
1: would be interesting. I mean, she, she dug in the dump and she found supposedly the true cross or parts of the true cross and, you know, um, uh-huh. I think she I think she started the whole fad of, of um, you know, the, the relics. The relics, you know, yeah. You
2: know, but, um, well, you know, who knows what was really going on there. I mean, and the thing is that anything mystical, truly authentically mystical that would have been coming up would have had its opposite come up. So, oh yeah. Right. There are always these forces battling. I find it fascinating. Here we
1: are thousands of years later. Yeah. Still still sort of struggling with a lot of the same issues that were going on then. And yes, and you know that old, true. that old saying, uh those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Um it feels like we're on a loop. It feels like there's a huge um, um, Groundhog Day going on here.
2: Yeah, I that's mean, right. You know, and the, and the thing is, it's, it, it can be really hard to know history because so much of it has been co-opted, rewritten, hidden. Uh, and I mean that on the most esoteric level. Lisa Renee, I don't know if you're familiar with her as a as a global world channeler. Um, um, she has a website. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, the name is familiar. All right, she has a website called Energetic Synthesis, and if you go under her in her navigation tab, she has resources. Click on it. There's a drop down, and she has something called Shifting Timelines. Well, every month she has a new very extensive, presumably channeling that she does um, that is very deep, dense and esoteric. The most esoteric I've heard of anyone on the planet. Last month, August, no, July 2021, she had one about lost civilizations and lost histories. Mm -hmm. And this is corresponding with things that are starting to percolate up from a number of different sources, intuitive people, other channelers, and and uh, researchers along, the you know. But basically she's saying that the level of the rewriting is so intense and it's so esoteric that um, it's, it's kind of happened on a dimensional plane that's hard for us to even conceive of. But she says that a lot of this rewriting has happened as, as recently as 100 years ago. And literally timelines have been shifted. Literally um, new histories have been either inserted or, or rewritten to rewrite out previous uh, civilizations that, that were recently mm-hmm. here and that have left their remains, like in the forms of the cathedrals that were built. How could these have been oh, built yeah. without electricity? And how could they, these have been built without cranes? Uh, th- there's no way they could have been built with the technology of the day according to how we've been told. So the smoking guns of these previous civilizations are these buildings that there's really no explanation for how they could have been built. So oh, yeah, they different just... things like that. Okay? Oh, absolutely. Different things like that.
1: There's another theory about uh, the Great Pyramid, and that it has it holds the, uh, <clears throat> the the sarcophaguses of of 27 pharaohs, which would extend the history of Egypt several thousand years. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, we're finding history is changing radically, and. You know, there's good validation for most of the changes, and mm-hmm. archaeologists are having trouble grasping at it. And, and I think that, that the material that you've got here to me is so important because women today need to understand that they're coming into their own. They just have to take control of it. Yeah. And, and, and so your book really kind of nudges everybody saying, you know, okay you're capable of this you know cuz cause, cause mary was in human form that's so right so if if she was in human form and we're in human form then then and and i'm not saying everybody has to go on a special diet and and try to to you know birth an avatar but mm-hmm. the creative energy that we have inside of us is profound and it's powerful and it's it, it's amazing and you can use that that power that energetic for a multitude for healings for creativity for music for art for you know different ways of of healing people i mean there's so many different avenues you can utilize that power for and it's it's a matter of going inside yourself and not looking necessarily for a teacher but looking for the spirit you carry within that becomes your higher self and teacher.
2: Yes, for whom Mary can serve as that mentor on the inner planes, if you but ask her,
0: and Absolutely. she
2: can she can heal what needs to be healed, so that you can access your own inner blueprint, your divine blueprint, and above all, what she is about is wise love, because. Wise love is what's going to heal the planet. It's also what's going to turn the planet around and release it from the grip of forces that are not love. And they are out there. And, yeah, and they are out there. They are in here. They are everywhere. You know, uh, we are that, right? I am that. I am you better be sure what you're saying because you are everything. So Absolutely. Uh, Mary, I think, is here now. Her veils are parting. She's getting revealed so that we can access her as that healer, as that exorcist, and as that divine blueprint mentor for us to really expand our capacities, our energies, and you know, come into our next dimensional incarnation beyond. Well, you, yeah, your book is definitely
1: timely. Are. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. And it does feel, you know, the other books um, look like they kind of are, are. It's a trilogy that you've created here. In
2: I a mean, sense, in a sense, yes. The other books are a bit more academic, but they provide the. Full documentation, the full references um where I'm getting my information from, and so forth, if people want to go to the ancient sources and so and trace how I've made my arguments and how I've come to my theories and so forth. This book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, is more consolidated, it's more easy to get through it's not every two steps I'm justifying this and that you know <laughs> I'll refer back to some of the footnotes I'll refer back to some of my other material and 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 so forth but I don't but people won't get bogged down in that
1: well we're 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 close to you know being out of time here so um I would love for you to give out whatever you know information as far as where to get the book and website and and the yes. things that you do and, and the places you're going and what you're involved in.
2: Yes. Well, great. So people can of course get the book wherever books are sold online or in person. You can have your, you can ask your local bookstores to physically carry it. Many of them already do. You can order mm-hmm. it there and, and we love to support local bookstores. Um, if you're not able to do that, you can get it online at the Inner Traditions uh, website. You can get it at barnesandnoble.com, indie.org, and, of course, mm, the old amazon.com. Um, well,
1: <clears throat> well, Amazon also has it on Kindle and Audible. So, you know, for yes. those people who like to listen, that's a good way to go.
2: Yes. Um, I put a lot of effort into recording the audio. Um, earlier this year, it does re- re- it does contain transmissions of energy, and it's a it's a wonderful either standalone way to receive the book or a companion to the written book. If you want to hear, you'll hear different things that you didn't see when you were reading it. Uh, yes, it's back on Audible now. There was a little tiff that they had with Simon and Schuster. I don't know what it was all about. Probably money. But now um, oh, okay. Audible is carrying it again. <laughs> Audible is carrying it, and so that means it's available through Amazon. But it's that audiobook is also available through many other uh, online sources that that offer audiobooks. So you just go to your favorite one, and you can type in the mystery tradition of miraculous conception, and it should come up. Um, and in terms of me, my work. Um, is primarily done through my school that I founded in 2012 called Seven Sisters Mystery School, which I believe you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation here. And that is a treasure trove of resources for you. There are free resources in the form of audios and videos and blogs and low-cost guided meditations and other things. And then the bulk of it has to do with my online courses so I have the Mother Mary Mystery Teachings which would be um, a wonderful thing for anybody who's been even a little bit intrigued by our conversation today because it includes some of the material from the book as well as a whole other expansion of who Mother Mary was is and shall be Um, there are the Holy Womb Chakra Teachings which I alluded to here today which are Uh, also a companion piece to the Mother Mary Mystery Teaching. So if you want to really go into the practice yourself, if you want to immerse yourself and say, well, how can I start incorporating all of this into my life? You can get active with your womb. And I've had men take the course as well because all men have the not a bindu point in them and they have access to the womb through their mothers and through, if they are heterosexual, through um, sexual union with women. So it's really open to everyone, whatever your gender identification. And that will get you practicing, clearing your womb and elevating it so that you can move into some of these abilities that Mother Mary evinced. And there are many other courses. Um, I've just, I'm completing now enrollment for my oracle training, but people can access indefinitely the level one of the Priestess of the Dove oracle training if you want to open your divine channel for information to become an oracle, become that channeler. And many other things that, that will continue to go on. I'll be having a monthly uh, Mother Mary you know, miracle meeting uh, where we have a guided meditation that I transmit through tapping into Mother Mary and then a cosmic Q&A. So that's going to be something that's um, that's going to be coming up probably in September and be ongoing. People have right. enjoyed that very much. Yeah, because it really puts us into the living tradition, the living connectivity with Mother Mary and, okay, we're and, down to our know, last many, five seconds here. <laughs> yeah, many other things. So come to SevenSistersMysterySchool dot com, and thank you so much, Barbara, for having me.
1: Oh, it was a delight. Thank you for spending your time with us. I really appreciate it, and we will definitely be in touch. And thank you, everybody. This will be up on uh, YouTube very, very shortly. Uh, subscribe if you if you like what you hear. Tune in tomorrow. Mark has another great show. Good night now.